So you all know Rabbi Schmidman as a an incredible Balmusser, um, both in Chokmas Musar and in Anhagas Musar. But uh, this was not fair because <laughs> it was the last minute I have a week full of speaking engagements. And he did a chazaka. He pulled a three-pronged attack. Number one, the Rashmim knows I can never say no to him <laughs> because of my love for him. Second of all, the topic is something that's very, very dear to my heart. Um, a, really a lifelong connection to, to, to Akara appreciation and relationships with Gedoli Israel, as Shmid mentioned, past and present. And uh, can never stop speaking about that. And the third of all, the third prime, the final attack was uh, an opportunity to spend a few minutes to speak about the incredible loss that Klai Israel had and myself on a very personal level of and so Hazaka of three different aspects I'm here tonight. I think just to begin would be what's the perspective of what we talk about when we say Das Torah. Das Torah, that there's a connection, is an understanding that the Gedele Yisrael, Tamidah Chacham and Muflagim, have Das Torah. They have failed to understand, yes, they can explain a Kasos and a Sivos. They can explain Pshad and a Tosis and a Ramban and a Rajva. But what do they know about my life, about life decisions and challenges? What do they know about the world? And what advice can they give on any practical things that are taking place in the life of Klai Yisrael? So at the beginning, I just want to read two sentences that the late Rosh Hashiva from Torvadas, he wrote in an article 50 years ago and he published it 25 years ago and then wanted this to be published a little bit after his Batira as well. The same words that are relevant in every single generation. And I'm going to read, read it to you describing what is Das Torah. And he says as follows, and I quote, Das Torah emerges after decades-long immersion in the Sea of Talmud, the Yama Talmud. It comes from strenuous, relentless efforts to understand the word of Hashem, it comes from a total submission to Hashem's will and from a life filled with Kedusha and Tyra, unencumbered by physical desires. It flows from a person whose very essence has been elevated by Tyra. Everything in his world is based solely upon Tyra. The mind of the Tamachacham will bring a clear perspective to all that transpires in this world. Such a person is endowed with true Das Torah. 
You can just read it, a nice description. It makes sense, but is it really practical? I can share with you that in every single Gadol B'Yisrael that I that is supposed to become close to, I saw each of these things clear and evident in front of my eyes. I saw an incredible vision of what is taking place in the world and what will be taking place. What's going to happen tomorrow and the next day. And even a perspective of what took place yesterday to understand what it means. When we say in Chazal, it doesn't mean but it actually means he sees it in front of him clear and evident as to what is going to take place tomorrow it was Yudua Avrudame told me the Rashiva from Baltimore told me many many decades ago that it was Yudua in Europe before the war, that everything that the Chafetz Chaim said in the last 10 years of his life was said up in Ruach HaKodesh. And we all know the stories of people who come into the Chafetz Chaim to ask a question. Before they even asked the question, the Chafetz Chaim would just talk out a Pasek, a Chazal, and answer the question before it was even asked. And there's so many things that I heard in the name of the Chavetz Chaim, not for this discussion, we'll be here all day. The things that the Chavetz Chaim gave advice to people, that mamish, mamish, he saw it in front of him. And able to be able to say to Paskin. One of the deeper understandings of what this means is to understand how we look at the Nodam Gadot. When Torah shapes the thinking, the hashkafa and the makshava of an Adam Gadol, doesn't mean that he has a source for every single thing that he says. On the contrary, often when there is no source, that's the Das Torah. Because it comes from a place deep down in his holiness Shama that comes from a well of Torah. And that's the Kutcher Baruch that's the word of Hashem. That's the Nevius of today, the Revu of today. As I'll say, there's no, there's no Revu by Nevi'im. There's no Nevi'im today. But there's Nevu by Chacham. And when it's, it doesn't give a source, when it's not a source, often that's really when we see the Amitas Torah. Two, two, two things, two examples. Remember many years ago, Shomazalm and Arba came with a, with a chaver, and we were asking of Shomazalman on something that he had written about that the Shmir Shabbos Kochasa quotes him about electricity, about the electric stove. Of Shomazalm and Arba spent many, many years analyzing and studying how electricity works and And this is back in the 30s and the 40s when it was first beginning and people didn't understand. And he delved into it. 
And he told us, by the way, he didn't tell him to Masecha Shabbos, he told him to Masecha's Baba Kama. And that's where he became literally the world's expert on the laws of electricity on Shabbos and Yom Tov. When he was a very young, a young Avrech, he wrote his first Sefer about the locus of electricity. And he sent, somebody was traveling to Europe and he sent a copy of the new Sefer to Rav Chaim Oizer, the God Lador. Chaim Oizer took it in his hand. Sefer was called Mutzel Asia, I believe, if I remember correctly. And he started browsing through it, looking through, flipping through the pages. And he put down the Sefer and he had such an incredible smile on his face. And he said to the people around him, Baruch Hashem ki mitzion that Eretz Yisrael has a future. There's a Gadol Batari that's being Yonek that's growing up, that's going to be the future voice of Torah and Eretz Yisrael. So we came to, we, myself and a friend, we were, we were 22, 23, whatever. And we, of course, know better. We came to challenge Rav Shomazalman on something that the Shmir Shabbos quoted, and we felt that the Mishnabura disagreed. And we came to him and we challenged him. And of course, he spoke to us like we were peers, like we were equals. And then he said something fascinating. He said that when he was a young Rosh Hashiva in Yeshiva called Torah, besides the subject that matter that he would be teaching, the Masakta, he would often bring in discussions that he had with Gedele Yisrael on different halakhic topics. And particularly when it came to an issue of electricity, he was a bar plucked on the Chazonish. He disagreed with the Chazonish on two fundamental issues and in, in principles in halacha, nogea to electricity, one based upon Pshat and Atosis, Masaka Shabbos, and one based upon a Sugi and Babakama. Not for now, the, the details of that. And that began, built on their foundation of Maklokas that they argued about. And they had letters back and forth. Mafek and Tari Sefer was printed later of the letters between the Chazanish and Roshom Zalman on this topic. And he told us that every time he would get a letter from the Chazanish that would slug up his rias for his side, he would read it and learn it together with Samidim and the Shir to see how the Chazanish thought. And then when he would write a letter back, Slugging up the proofs of the Chazonish, he would read it to his Talmud and what he was writing to see how he, how he thinks and what his attacks are on the Chazonish position. And this went back and forth one time, and one time he came in with a letter that just arrived that day from the Chazonish. That was going to be the 11th letter back and forth in their discussion. And the Chazon and Shomazaman said to his Talmud, this discussion ends with this letter. There is no longer a need for me to write back because the Chazonish wrote in the letter very briefly, just a few words. This is what I believe. That's all. He had written a number of questions on proofs that the Chazonish gave. The Chazonish wrote back to him this is what I believe. 
And Shlomo Zalman taught to us, Tamid and he shared that with us in his study that time in Shari Chesed. And he said that Kol Zaman the Chazonish brings proofs, Rayas. That's the Derech HaTorah. I can argue with the proof of the Rav Eger and the Ksos and the Nesivas, and I can argue with the Raya that the Chazonish brings it, that I learned differently. But when he says, this is my opinion, that comes from a place of the depth of his Torah that no one in our generation can fathom. And with that, I accept it, that this is halacha, sukkah, halacha lemaisa. Another time that I heard this discussion that the Kazonish had with several people, and I actually heard this from Eliyashev, who heard it from Shlomo Lawrence, the Chonom Levracha. Shlomo Lawrence was a, was a member, was a person who was a shlucha de Rahman and shlucha de Dan. He was a Yid at Tamachacham, who was pulled out of the Kolal Chazanish to become a leader of the Aguda party and was a member of the Chava Knesset for 38 years and was a shliach of Gedolim, did whatever the Gedolim said, particularly the Briskarov and the Chazanish, and later the stipend of Shah, until he retired, went back to the base Medrash. Interesting that he wrote after he left, seven years after he went back to the base Medrash, this is after spending so many years in the Knesset, in the halls of the Knesset, he wrote a safer on Kutchen. And I remember being in Rebel Yashav's house and the new Sefer was sitting on Rabbi Yashav's desk that Rav Shomalurans had come and brought him the Sefer. Rabbi Yashav pointed out how he has seen many G'dayli Yisrael that have written Sfarim and then went on to other things. But from his memory, this is the first Sefer from someone who was involved in many other things and then came back and wrote a Sefer of this magnitude, of this depth. So Shomalurans was, I guess I mentioned, a shliach of Chazonish and other Gedolim. And this was a discussion, and he had told over Yasha the story of Yasha with me. This was during the worst time in the early mid 1950s when Gius Banos was the discussion, the theme of the day, which means drafting girls into the army, compulsory draft for girls, which means every girl would be forced to go into the army and there was no learning in yeshiva, no yeshiva deferment. Which means from the most Haredi homes, girls who never saw anything outside their Dalaramos would be drafted into the army and open to all kinds of influences. And the Gedolim fought a battle in the language you find in the letters written by the Stipler, Nakazonish, and the Briskarov, and the Chabinarov, was a language that was not written lightly when they wrote that a girl should rather give herself, take her own life, at her, take her life with her own hands rather than going into, into the army. That's how severe this issue was to them. So they was back and forth and the government was about to fall and collapse and the Mizrahi leader came up with an incredible compromise. A compromise that and presented, if presented to me, 
that I've taken out my pen and signed onto that immediately. And the compromise was something that still exists today called, uh, two actually two different words for it, but one of them is called that the girls have a shlichos. They do uh, service. Instead of two years in the army, they can choose the nature of their service. Sherut Lumi is what it's called today, but a different name years ago. They could become nurses in hospitals, volunteers, teachers and guns and whatever they, whatever they want to do. And that would be considered as if this was their two years into the army. And they wouldn't have to go into the army itself. And what an incredible compromise. Girls will be helping do chesed in any venue that they want and not have to go to the army and everyone would be happy. Shalom Yisrael, where do I sign? And the Mizrahi leaders came to the Chazonish, the mayor Berlin and others, came to speak to the Chazonish to talk to him about this compromise. And the Chazonish disagreed. And they could not understand why the Chazonish did not agree. And the Chazonish said he refuses to participate in this discussion any longer. And they came complaining to Rabbi Lawrence that they tried and they felt that they don't understand because Lawrence didn't explain himself. So they came, of Lawrence came to the Chazonish and says, Rebbe, they don't understand. And to tell you the truth, neither do I. Neither do I. Why is Rebbe so against this seeming compromises that seems we win on all accounts? A win-win. And the Chazonish says this is Kineged the Astorah. And Rav Lawrence was close enough to him to ask him and says, Rebbe, what's your makar? Where's your source? And the Chazonish took its two hands to his shirt and ripped open his shirt, revealing his heart. And he pointed his hand, his finger to his heart and says, here's the makar. The makar is written in here. Lawrence later said to Rav Yeshav, later on, the Chazonish told him that now has it. That time he didn't have one, but later he came up with a mocker. Shitantosis and Sanhedrin, not for now. But this is where it's written. Chokok alibo. That's the Astor. The Astor that it comes from a pure source, a place so deep that only someone with the level of Kedusha and Tyra and Chachma and Asmada and Tzitkus of the Chazonish could be Yerof the self-title. Ramesha, if you jump a few years later, Ramesha had a similar response that's written in the English Mesha. Ramesha wrote a famous truva, which some call infamous truva, but a famous truva about artificial insemination. And today, the leading expert in the field a Yira Tamachokam, a Muslim from Ne Yisrael, who today almost was a Nobel Peace Prize winner in medicine in this area, told me that he has studied and analyzed Ramesha's Truva hundreds of times. And that Ramesha was years and years ahead of anybody in the field that understood how this thing works. So Ramesha wrote a Truva. 
and he was moderate. Certain with certain restrictions, he was moderate. You can take a look. You see, it's a lengthy tshuva. Actually, it's almost four, for the four tshuvas on it. And understand that there are certain communities, particularly the Satma community, was Eshlahava was up in arms about this tshuva because the Satma Rebbe disagreed. The Satma Rebbe sent somebody to tell Ramosha to rescind the tshuva. Ramosha says, no. The truva is emes lamito, lamito shel So somebody wrote, leave out a person's name, a posek, so to speak, disagreeing with Ramosha point by point. But he started the truva with a very, very strong tolkacha. He said that the Rosh Shiva should know that this tshuva doesn't come from Yediyah Satayra. It comes from an openness, influence from outside forces, from Chachmas Chitzonius, secular knowledge and other things that cause the influence to Rav Moshe to come up with such a psaq. And only someone like Rav Moshe could give us, say, the response that he gave. Moshe answered and said, thank the person from the bottom of his heart for giving him tochacha because he says that he's an old man and most people are uncomfortable giving old people tochacha. So how much he appreciates being mochiach today when no one else gives him tochacha. So he thanked him for it. He says, but then I have to respond to what your comment was. You say that I'm influenced by chachmas chitonius. I will tell you that there is nothing that I ever said or thought of in my life or written that doesn't come from a mocker of Kulo Torah. There is no other influence in my life that ever affected anything I ever said. Whatever I said comes only from, you can argue with my Torah. Yeah, that's the, that's the derech atayra. You can argue with it. You can slug it up. You can disagree. But that statement was sheker, I should say. That anything I ever said came from a different source, from a source of kachmas chitzonius or some other secular source or whatever other source it is. Kulo atayra is all that I ever know and all that I ever said. This is, this is, this is Torah. This is a strength of understanding where it comes from. And when you achieve such a level of Chachma and Taira, you also have to achieve, it only comes from a level of Anova, Vanivas. Incredible level, level of Vanivas. So many people over the last decades, since Ramesh's Petir, used to approach Rabbi David Feinstein and I am guilty to be one of them for many, many years. I would call Rab David, I would go see Rab David, I would see Rab David at a simcha, wherever, and I would go over to him and says, what did the Roshiva hold on this? In other words, I don't wanna know your opinion, but I value that you could tell me over what your father had. And for years I did this. As a matter of fact, when I was learning in Kolo, in the yeshiva, I was learning Masech Shabbos. And with the Chabura, we finished 
Kira Bametomnin and went through with a small group, carved out a very small group that wanted to learn a Libra de Hilkosa, even in Yeshiva Kabbatskayim. And we worked on the halacha in great depth, halachas of Kira, of halachas of Atmana, of Bishol, of Shia, of Chazara. And we went to all the chuvas, Maharaj's chuvas, and many others. And then we came up with a list of questions, la halacha, that we wanted to understand. And I called, and Abdullah Fainzi, can I come speak? With a few chevra, we went down to MTJ, we sat down began to ask the questions, and the question, the way I began, I was the Rosh HaMedabrim, I was the Katan Shabakulam, so I was the Rosh HaMedabrim, it's always the Katan Shabakulam is the Rosh HaMedabrim. And I said to, so can we wanna go over with you what the Rosh Hashivah held on this? And I had a list of questions. And I remember he looked at me, he says, I don't know if I could tell you what the Rosh Hashivah said on all these discussions, on all these issues. I can only tell you my opinion. And I remember being struck at the time, like the Chutzpiyaski, coming to, a, he was already a tremendous Adam Gadol, a posek. Ask Rosh what do you hold? And I didn't make that mistake again. And in the hundreds and hundreds of chuvos or shilas that I asked Rabbi David in the last 20 years, I never asked him unless he volunteered. What does your father? What did your father say? I would ask him, and he would often say, "I heard from my father such and such." And that's an important aspect. A masera, a masera of of number one of what you're paskin, and number two which is always a concern. And I, I now understand what took place on a personal story I could share with you because it's only on the internet. When I was dating a number, number of years ago, so I went to a girl that was set up by, by the Roshivas at some, a family that Roshiva knew. And I had gone out once and we we're going to go out a second time. And the second time was going to be a Matzah Shabbos. But then I get a call that I was one of the people that used to drive Rav Yaakov around. And I was on call. There were three people who divided up the responsibility and I was one of them. I got a call on Friday afternoon that Rav Yaakov needs a ride to the Gouda Convention. He's speaking Matzah Shabbos. He wasn't up for going Shabbos. He didn't feel well. So he needs someone to bring him Matzah Shabbos. And they were asked if I could bring him. It's supposed to sit with Rabbi Yaakov in the car. An hour and a half going, an hour and a half going back. Talk about all the politics of a good convention at the end of the way back. How could I miss that opportunity? So I called up the girl out of Shabbos and I said, sorry, I have to reschedule for Sunday. And I explained to why it should be 100% fine. I came Sunday night to pick up the young lady for the date. Father was an older from a previous generation. And I didn't really understand until many years later. He said to me, came in, he said, so I heard you went to the uh, Gouda Convention last night. Yeah, I apologize. I mean, yeah, so why did you go over here? It's, and he said, the day is, 
full of monkeys. What, what, what could you possibly heard there? What could you possibly have gone for? I remember sitting down and I didn't know if I should get up and zets him on the spot, just walk out. And I chose the third option was just keep my mouth, be quiet. So the girl, the girl didn't have a chance. The girl didn't have a chance. I could not, knew I could never go back into this. It was only years later I realized he was from an older generation. And I found out later that he was a Ben Bias, a Ben Bias Barabaran. He went around in Kletz. He spent Shabbos together with Rabbi Chonan by the Chavetz Chaim. So to him, the next generation, it's like, those were the Gedolim. What's this next generation? Like, well, that's what you went for. It took me many years to understand that. Not that I regretted not continuing with this young lady, but we view that. I discussed Bibar Ramesha many times daven with him. We had 10 people davening with him every single morning. Shakras, I was one of the 10 for a, number, for a long time. The morning of my chasana, I went to Ramesha for a brother with my father's Akonla brother. How do you do with the next generation, Rabbi David? And how do people deal with this? I heard the most incredible, incredible word from Moshe Shera's Moshe Shera told me that someone once asked him, you were the head of a good, Rav Aaron, Rav Moshe, Rav Yaakov, Iskiteli Yisrael, how do you still do your job to represent the Moetzik, the Torah, when these are the children of the people you dealt with before? How could you do that? How do you still have the same reverence? Avraham was your Rebbe. Abruvain was your Rebbe. Ramesha and Yaakov, how do you, how do you deal with them? Not only their children, their grandchildren and still be the leader of the Moetzes. And he said an incredible vart. Sit over Svasemis. Says that Pasik says, when Aaron died, Aaron Akoyan died, his children took the big, big Dekun and they put on the big Dekun and became the Kohen Abadol. So the Ksasem asked the question, we know that Chazal tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu was 20 Amas tall. 20 Amas. Aaron was shuckled to Moshe. So Ksasem was shuckled in every single way, Chazal said, which means he was 20 Amas. So when he was 20 Amas and he died, you imagine the size of those begot and big Dekuna. How could it be that his children was able to were able to put it on and they didn't trip over the pants? Says the Sfas MS Muridik. They grew into the Bugatan. Are you they nace? They grew into the Bugat. Says the Sfas MS, the Khal Dorvadar. The more we go, the further we go from Maimon Sinai, it's got no ideas. But that next generation, that's Mamala Malcolm, the one before, Aydenes fits in into the begotten of the ones before. And that's how I'm able to have respects at Rashera for every generation of Bedolim. Because while they're young, they grow into the position in such an incredible quick way 
that the Das Torah that they share is equal to the Das Torah of the previous generation, of their brothers, of their Zaydas, of their fathers, and of their grandfathers. There was a tremendous anova and anivas from David Feinstein. He, I just thought that, you know, so many people ask me, watched, uh, zoomed in on the Hesped last Friday, Hespedim, a week ago Friday, how could possibly have Shmuel Kamenetsky, the Zakin Rosh Yeshivas, spoke for about three, four minutes. How is it possible for David? And I didn't answer them. It's hard for Rav Shmuel, and he's not as youngster. He's 96 years old. It should be Marach Yom Tov and All the answers I could have given. I said, "Is Hesped?" He said, "The most dick Hesped I've ever heard an Adam Gadol say." Because I am, I know David for 40 years. I've been going to Rabbi for over 40 years, and I remember David all the time. And in the last 20 years, I spoke to Rabbi David three, four times a week. My entrance was my brother, who was, who was his right hand, and every Shiloh, me cut on Vad Gadol, called my brother up in the morning, got, where's Rabbi David tonight? Between six and seven, we're in the car going to a house, and I'll call you at 6.05. And I had Rabbi David the entire time in the car until seven o'clock. Next, where are you? David's going to a doctor tonight at four, at, today at four o'clock. I'll call you at 4.05. And I was able to tap into Rabbi David many times. And if the times I was really required a face-to-face Shaila, what wedding are you going to? Where will he be? And I went to meet Rabbi David at the Hassan. I had a tremendous, tremendous. But if someone would ask me to put into words, I wouldn't be able to do it. Zuck, the Philadelphia or Shiva, Rabbi David was a Minbif Nehansma. He was unlike anybody else. He had his way, his way, his humility. And there are things that you could think you know about someone and you don't know anything. I remember going to Rab David when I was a bucker, because we going to Rab Misha. I was 19, 20 years old. I used to go diving there. I remember going off in with Rabbi Naiman, Zachon of Raka, and going and having the opportunity to go and hear Amisha. Naiman would push me into the Hevra. And then I would, because of who I am, I didn't run back to the base. I to say, one time I stopped at the local bakery there, we had to grab a bite to, for the car, to have a little breakfast in the car. And I always saw David sitting there having his breakfast, sitting in that little kosher luncheonette around the corner from MTJ. And I always thought, I'm up smudging them. Like, I'm not. Every time I came, he was sitting having breakfast, the same, the same as man was Shiva, it's a bit of mine, and it takes time to walk it back. All right, let's not talk about it. But Akasha stopped I didn't understand. It's 40 years later, and someone sends me an article written by one of the quote from one of his grandsons, his, his nephew, excuse me, one of his nephews asked, was sitting with David in his office once and asked him, Uncle, why, why, do you, why do you go out and you hear breakfast and you go out every morning and you leave the yeshiva? You just have something here, there's breakfast in the yeshiva. Or David opened up his drawer. Would you've ever seen that drawer? There's things in there from 200 years old. And he pulls out a yellow piece of paper and opens it up. And this is the contract that Rabbi Moshe made with him 
when he first was hired to be to be to give a shear in the yeshiva. And he read it to his nephew, hired him, he's gonna get Kaklakak salary to give a shear. Maitre did not put into that contract that he was entitled to have any milk or breakfast in the yeshiva. Doesn't come with food, doesn't come with drink. And so David said that if the Abris in Yeshiva, there was a seal and someone was donating and someone was, what's that would have it there? But otherwise, I wasn't entitled to even take a little milk from the Yeshiva. So that's why for decade upon decade upon decade, a Goyen Rab David would go out to have breakfast outside that he can pay for it because he had no right to take a drop of milk for his coffee in the Yeshiva. Okay, so such humility. Let him ask the board of directors of MTJ, is the Rashiva of David allowed to take a cup of coffee, a cup of milk? They would have dropped off a cow by the yeshiva for him. But this was his humility. And every question I ever asked him, humility, humility, humility. And I'll tell you a very personal shy, very personal. When I called David 11.30, quarter to 12 at night, when I was sitting in the hospital, Columbia Hospital, with my daughter, showing me the life and death decisions to make, and I had no one to ask but Rabbi David. And I called Rabbi David, and he answered me. And then an hour later, Almost 1.30 was 1.30, it was 1.20, 1.15, I remember. My phone rings. I don't recognize the number. And I pick up the phone as Rabbi David calling me. Maybe there's anything else that I need to ask. He knew that if I needed to ask him, I could call him. But he was calling me, maybe knows what kind of difficult evening it was for me, a difficult night, what we were dealing with. And he called me, maybe there was something. Maybe he could offer me a little chizuk. Maybe there's something I could still ask him that would help me. Nevis, humility, comes from a source of my nevis. Like, I have to call him. If he needs me to call me, I should call him. And now the picture went viral. I knew this story many, many years ago. But now it's all out there. I don't know if Abdullah would have wanted it out there, but there's a picture of Abdullah sitting in a restaurant. You may probably have seen it already. The picture of Abdullah sitting in a very fancy, expensive restaurant in Manhattan called Reserve Cut. Sitting there with somebody. What's the story? Abdullah did not go out to Manhattan restaurants that are very expensive. Rabbi David went out with somebody on the story of this person. There's a person who's, he's, lack of a better word, he's a midget, very small man uh, with no family and lives in the Lower East Side his whole life. And Rabbi David raised him on his shoulders all the years and made him his official driver. And I know this person for decades, and he knows me. And every single time he sees me or I see him at the MTJ dinner or at an MTJ or whatever, 
I'm, uh, I want to say his name, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I drive Rab David. I said, I know you do. We all, our Macri told to you. Rab David took him and lifted him physically, figuratively, emotionally, mentally, and put him on his shoulders his entire life. Anybody would have driven Rab Rav Zlatowicz wanted to send Rav David a full-time driver with a beautiful car, and he refused to take it. He had somebody, and he had my brother's beat-up car to go. This was, this is Rav David. This person was turning 60 years old. And he mentioned to Rav David, because he had no one else to share with, that he's turning 60. And Rav David inquired where a nice place would be. And Rav David took him out for his birthday celebration. The two of them. I will tell you that that person that night, I didn't speak to him, I wasn't there, but he felt that he was 20 hours tall, like Moshe Rabbein. That's a person that's an honor Nikolaga. That's a person that's incredible, incredible honor. Sensitivity to a person, sensitivity to a person somebody that's so special. You know, I would tell you that the, the um, time, the clock is ticking, but I just want to tell you that when I used to be early, I was like, sometimes that when I would come from America and I would come there and he also, I'm there for a few days, he would let me sit by him when he had a Kabbalah Sakal and listen to the Shaila so that I could, I could learn from them. And I often tried to quickly, what I would pass him. And to see that I was, Yosha was Machavin Ladaiti. I remember one time that there was a, um, someone came in with a Shaila, it's a serious Shaila, that a family had five boys and the mother needed a kidney. And all five boys were matches to the mother. And they were fighting over who would be the one to give the kidney. There were three married and two singles. Of course, the Gadol, the older one said, I'm the Bukhar, I have rights. So, no, Bukhar has rights, Pishnaim. Doesn't mean you have rights to give up your kidney. You have two kidneys, Pishnaim, you get double. You don't have to give, you don't give half of what you have. No right. So I said, I don't know if it's a halachic, one of the single boys, because he's single. You know, the married ones, there's always a risk of something in this fact. I mean, he's married with children. No, the whole mishpacha, give it to it. one of the singles should do it. And I want to figure out which of the singles should do it. We also have said, the singles are out of the equation because it will affect their shidduch chances. They know they on the resume, they'll put down who was Chavrusis, who was Rebbe is, what Yeshivi went to, that he has one kidney, it would limit the amount of the potential Shadduchim. So they're out. I was facially opposite. That's why I'm me in Yasha. Then he said, what about, does the Gadol have rights of Bukhar? No. That's only Al Pishnaim. It's not else, not else this. So how do you pass him? Is there some Rambam someplace? Is there a Shakanta someplace? He said, no. They should go and have somebody, each of them should ask 
their wives' permission. They can't do without their wives' permission. If two of the wives say they don't, they're nervous, they don't want them to do it, and one says, okay, that's the one. And if all three say we're okay with it, which one sounded more okay with it? That's really okay with it and not just doing it because the husband doesn't want to say no to the husband. That's the one that should do it. Not a shyly in Mishpat, not a shyly in Eben Ezra, Yeridea, Erechayim. It's a shyly in Hagosha, Bimargish, in feeling what someone, what a wife will feel that her husband's giving a kidney, what a, what a, a single bacha, what a potential effect his shit later, will have harata later. Just a dumus of what sensitivity is, sensitivity is to an incredible level, incredible level. And then, that's why I remember this, and it was, I was late, just when I shared with someone this Shabbos, someone asked me, a, somewhat of a similar Shiloh. And I told him over a Maisa with Rav that really answers his Shiloh. So Maisa with Rav it maybe it's Yidua, maybe you know about it, everyone knows about it, but it's Kedai Lefrau Samo. So Maisa of a Bach in Yeshiva that was an only child near an elderly mother. And it was in Yeshiva. It was Yeshiva called Torah, actually. It was Rosh Hashanah was already long retired from Yeshiva. He learned to Yeshiva. And his mother said, you can't get time to get married. But you can't, I can't, I can't live alone. I can't be alone. But what do I do? So the son made it his business that he would tell every girl that he dated, who was read to him, that the mother is going to live with them, move in with them. No wonder that it was getting on in years and there was no shirk coming. Every girl wouldn't wait for to be dropped off at home. She would run out of taxi while the taxi was going. So he came to came to his rabbi and his rabbi said, "You can't do this. You can't. You can't tell girls this." He says, "Rabbi, my mother, am I Christ? I'm the only Ben Yakin. Who else can take care of my mother? What can I do?" So he says, "Come, we're going to ask." Her. And he took him to our Shlomo Zalman. And the Roshiva expected full well of Shomazam would tell him, Lozu Aderach, Layasasosbi Yisrael, you don't, you don't go ahead and bring your mother to, into the new marriage. Shomazam listened and questioned him, could you be on her own? No, she's this or that. Okay. You continue, I'll give you a bracha, you continue to look for a shidduch, and you can make that a condition to live with your mother, will live with you. And I give you a bracha, you should find your zivik. So and the Roshiva was, just shocked, like that Rosh Hashanah would say something like that. Mamish doesn't make sense. With the bracha of Rosh it was a few months later, he met his column. He met his column. And the Rosh Hashanah was so blown away. He came running to Rosh Hashanah and read, but you should know that bracha became a chassid and the girls asked him that the mother should live with him. Rosh Hashanah was so happy. He says, please tell the bracha to come to me. I want to talk to him. Rabbi Sifiket, Rabbi Shomazam wants to give him a bracha, a special bracha. Boy goes, comes, sends to him, comes to Rabbi Shomazam, and he says, I'm going to give you a hartzach mazel tov. But now what I want you to do is, when you find an apartment where you're going to live, you look for another one, for your, one close by where your mother can live. He looks at Rabbi Shomazam. 
but the Rosh Hashiva told me that, that I should do, and I do, and the girl's mask, and the mother should live with me. No. What I told you was to look for a girl, the kind of girl who will be masking to have your mother live with you. Because that's the kind of girl who will be okay with you going on checking on your mother and having your mother for a Shabbos meal and for a Yemtiv meal. And when you're going at night on the way on Mishiva, stop it by seeing your mother's okay, she'll be okay with that. Because she's someone who was even agreeing to have your mother live with you. But a mother, a young couple doesn't start their married life off with the Shvigal living with them. This is Das Taira. This is Kachmas This is the Musa of Taira. This is what Taira does to a person. This is what Das Taira is. This is what it means to hear and live and breathe and see people with such sensitivity. The stories are coming out by Rabbi David and I'm kicking myself that I didn't know this that I would have spoken to him with such greater reverence and, 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 and covered person with such incredible sensitivities. And I knew it, I saw it, but I didn't hear it. This is every other God. Meshach had it, David had it, all other G'day Yisrael had it, and I saw it. We could talk about G'day Yisrael, be here for days. The Laveda Rab David is incredible. It's the day of Friday. David was I was so trying hard to see if I can get to the hospital, go into Rabdavid before he was nifter and the family wouldn't let. I kept on calling and calling. And then the Basura Ra came that David was nifter. And I remember, and I'll end with this. I remember that it was going to Shul Friday night. And all of a sudden, Hitman said, Oh, what am I going to do? I said, at that time, there was no preparation, no knowledge of Leviah because the family just got the news an hour before Shabbos. It happened right before Shabbos. And there was no time to talk. And they made up the Mati Shabbos. They're going to meet in the David's apartment. The family with the main Talmudim, they're going to meet there and with police security and discuss what the Leviah is going to be about. And... Uh, so there, were, there was no information yet. Now I have worked on a family for four and a half years, trying to make shalom between a family that's killing each other because of the demonicness and destroying generations that the children, the grandchildren are all gonna be alienated from each other. And I couldn't, it wasn't Matzlich. It happens to be that when I got sick, my wife gets a call, one of the worst days that the news came of my, how sick I was, and called from one of the parties that uh, called up that he um, told my wife that they were so torn by news of how sick I was, that they felt I tried so hard for so long to try to make shalom, and I wasn't, they didn't let me make matzliah, that they called each other in of the mechila, and they called to tell my wife. Maybe that's why I was open to her for, but it only lasted three weeks before I got home. It was over. So I tried again and again and again. And finally, finally, I was able to make it that, that Sunday at one o'clock. All sides were getting together in a room for the first time in years with me 
It was the only opportunity I had. One last try, see if I could make sure. And I remember saying, I "Was driving to Shul." Oh my God! Levaya must be twelve, one o'clock, because till everybody comes, the buses will come from all over. This, I can't postpone this. I can't put this off. What do I do? Chiv covered a Torah. Chiv akaras a tov personally or dove for all the time that he gave me for everything he did for me. Of course, I have to go. On the other hand, God Shalom. Maybe it is the most important to be to, to try to. Maybe I'm the last chance. I have to make Shalom here. But how do I wait it to? Ah, got to call Dove and That was my first thing. Then it hit me. I don't have a Dove to call anymore. Tremendous Aveda, tremendous Kesara for Klai Israel, for all those of who relied on him for his Psak and his godless and his Anibas, and for his family, for the community, for everybody. Meeting along to Mraso, Zochab Ed Hashem, Kashbrocha Shemashlim, as I mentioned, Israel Alman, Kashbrocha always guarantees that we'll have Gedolim. And if they look to us smaller than the generation before, the pant, they'll fit into the pants. They'll grow into the role and they'll grow to be as tall and as big as the generation before. To have continued leadership, to our leadership, I'd be as God said, we remain on me. Amen. Yes, I'm just, uh, I'm left speechless, and that's good. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's, you know, it's time for anybody wants to ask something, but uh, it's up to you to, you know, to decide if this is enough uh, <laughs> time, or it could always be at a different occasion, whatever is your preference. I think I overdid my uh, my welcome. <laughs> I think I spoke longer than, uh, than a yeah. lot of <laughs> No, for sure not. But, uh, okay, I think uh, I think there's plenty for us to take in. So, Gracie, yeah, Ashakaya. Colter, to everybody, Ashakaya, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.